Bishop Logan, you mentioned Azusa Street. One of the things that we're finding, and I think where we found it in South Africa and uh, other parts of Africa, but also throughout the world, wherever the Holy Spirit is poured out and gifts and power are welcomed, it, uh, like just like Azusa Street, there is a breaking down of racial barriers and we are brought together in the name of Jesus. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Not so long ago on this program, I had the privilege of having Dr. Brad Long with us from the Presbyterian Reformed Ministries International, or PRMI for short. And so I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Long back with us today from Black Mountain, North Carolina. He is launching a special series called Healing the Soul of America and the West. And during each of our episodes, he will have a guest. And today, uh, Bishop Dr. James Logan is with us from Charlotte, North Carolina. So allow me to introduce you to both of these leaders in the faith by sharing something about their uh, biography. They both have uh, quite extensive uh, biographies here and qualifications. Dr. Brad Long has been executive director for 30 years of Presbyterian Reformed Ministries International. That's a Presbyterian-based group associated with the move of the Holy Spirit across the globe. And he's lived and worked in many places, including in Asia, in Taiwan in particular, where he and his wife, Laura, were missionaries. And Dr. James Logan is the founder of Jim Logan Evangelistic Ministry. He's also the founder and senior pastor of Kingdom Fellowship Christian Center and founder and presiding bishop of Kingdom Fellowship of Churches International. Now, he's worked with various universities and is currently a professor and head of the Department of Urban Christian Studies at Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary. So, Dr. Long and Bishop Logan, we welcome you to Charisma Connection and invite you to share with us how you two got to know each other. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being able to be back on. And it's really exciting to me to be with uh, Bishop Logan. Uh, our, we go way, way, way back. Uh, I'm executive director of Christian Reform Ministries International. I left Taiwan, where I was serving as an evangelistic educational missionary. And I returned here to the United States. Uh, this was back in 1990 and became executive director. And Bishop Logan was on the board of directors and later became the president of the board of directors of international ministry. And In we fact, had spent many fact, years. That was my yes. First, that was my first meeting when they when we elected you as executive director. Wow. Well, I'm glad that uh, we've had this long association and that we've both been sharing very much in the denominational church, like the Presbyterian Church USA, working for renewal, uh, particularly involved in a charismatic renewal, but also calling uh, the church to faithfulness to biblical doctrine. Uh, and 
biblical fact. And uh, Jim has been a major leader uh, in uh, as an anointed preacher and teacher. Uh, just tremendous, the work that the Lord has done through Bishop Jim Logan. Well, it's wonderful that the Lord has brought you together in this work. So, uh, Dr. Long, could you introduce to us this series? I mentioned its name, and it's also a prayer initiative. Could you tell us uh, what you intend to do through this prayer initiative, uh, Healing the Soul of America and the West? Uh, yes, um, we're, we're at a real crisis time, uh, especially right now in America, but also in the entire Western world in that our biblical Judeo-Christian values upon which the United States and the Western culture were formed are under massive, massive attack uh, and are being undermined by radical ideologies like uh, Marxism. Um, it's, we are in a very big crisis right now. Well, a lot of this relates, though, to some of the deep wounding it has taken place in America, but also United Kingdom, Canada, and the rest of the Western world through the grave sins of the past, especially related to the sin and the terrible aspects of slavery um, and racial injustices uh, of the past and also the present. And we are in desperate need right now for healing as a nation. And so the purpose of this initiative is to pray for that. And we believe that true healing can only take place through Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the one who can restore us, that Jesus is the one who can break through the barriers of racial hatred and division and unite us as all created in the image of God. And so that's the purpose then of our prayer initiative and it does have several aspects that we can talk to you about later well who all is involved in this prayer initiative um well uh prmi is a worldwide ministry and what's so interesting is that we have a lot of uh, people here in the united states from all over the united states uh, joining us but we also have people from China, from well, all over Asia, um, uh, Latin America, Africa, uh, but also from Canada and the United Kingdom. And they are joining us in this. And there's an urgent time right now in which they are praying for the United States and joining us in this initiative, uh, which is very interesting because back in the 1940s, it was England's uh, time, darkest hour, as Winston Churchill called it. And in some ways, I believe the United States of America is facing its darkest hour right now as we move into these last months of 2020 and facing a very uh, divisive and dangerous time here with the upcoming elections. Yes, our nation is certainly in need in so many ways right now. And, you know, we've kind of got these dual tracks of racism and injustice. How do those two merge? And why are they so critical 
in America at this time? Well, Bishop Jim, do you want to, I'm sorry, Bishop well, Logan, do you want to speak to that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 this, this is a very interesting uh, question. And I, I want to be careful here as, as I answer it. But I think one of the things that is certainly true is that as a nation, and perhaps uh, even more pointedly, as a as a church, we have not sufficiently dealt with uh, the vestiges of slavery and Jim Crow uh, over the years. We've sort of been content uh, to allow uh, the communities to uh, function side by side, at least uh, as the church is concerned. Well, certainly, you have heard it said that Sunday morning is the most segregated uh, time of our week. And I think that both communities have been content to uh, give lip service to wanting to change that. Uh, but not really doing the hard work, and it is hard work, to bring uh, change in that area. Uh, for our perspective, uh, when we speak about justice, there is a distinct difference between how justice is defined in uh, the culture in general and how God defines it. And I think that's our first challenge. Mm -hmm. And then our second challenge, as far as the church is concerned in particular, is, you know, as Jesus put it in his high priestly prayer, that we would all be one, even as he and the Father are one. And what exactly does that mean? How is that walked out with our cultural distinctives? Well, those are some so big topics for sure, um, to think of what God's definition of justice is as opposed to ours. Would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, well, one, one of the things that, that has happened over the course of, of, uh, of, our, of our history as, as a nation, as um, things began to change with uh, uh, laws and legislation and uh, executive orders, the whole movement for civil rights, which was something that was necessary to be done, uh, it, it, it began to devolve uh, from its strong underpinnings biblically to now become inclusive of every particular group that came along that felt as though they were being treated unfairly in the, the society at large. And almost particularly with racial issues, it, it, it became almost the type of thing that that, that that was the issue of that day. And now we're moving on to more pressing issues that sort of piggybacked on an issue that had yet to be completely resolved. So we are still, dealing with those issues today, even though within the, the African-American community, uh, people are living better in general uh, than they have over the past years, uh, excelling to levels higher than they excelled in past years. But there is still very much a very real issue 
as it relates to to God's justice uh, that is 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 predicated on His word, not not predicated on what a media or a society in general defines, or even law defines as just. Uh, There's probably been volumes written on this, so there's no way I can get that in a short period of time. I knew I threw that question at you there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Bishop Logan, let me me just add that uh, I think the difference between social justice and biblical justice is seen in uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech of 1963, where he bases the call for justice and equality on the founding principles that uh, all men are created equal with inalienable rights, but also that we're all created in the image of God. He also calls us to move beyond race to a character um, and calls for true unity and liberty based on these profound biblical principles. And so I really think that if you listen to the voices like in Black Lives Matter and contemporary voices today, they're even contrary to what Dr. Martin Luther King uh, presented as a basis for uh, our healing the racial injustices, the wounds from racial injustice. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think that there is a sense of some in uh, our society that, you know, that was the 60s and it's uh, not very relevant for today, which of course is wrong. That was a, a strong vision that Martin had that has yet to be uh, fully realized, and it's something that we continue to work at. And the second piece of that is that a, a lot of people, when they remember that speech, they remember the portion where Martin got to "I Have a Dream." But there's a lot more to that speech, even before oh, yes. we get to yes, that sir. point, that that really speaks to the situation that we are in right now. I, I believe it was maybe yesterday that an African-American commentator on a major network uh, said that as far as he was concerned, we should tear the whole thing down and start all over again. And, and this is kind of the mentality uh, that we're faced with uh, today. Um, it, it, it's, it's, we've always had to contend with social engineers uh, who have sought to remake society over in their own image. And I think the, the great mm. fault of the church and the people of God is that we sort of watched saying, oh my, somebody should do something about it and forgot that we were the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Speak to how Christians can get involved in this in addressing this problem of racism in America. <laughs> Well, as, as, as someone who has had the privilege of working very close with uh, many in the non-African-American community, I, I, I hate to use the terminologies, but, but the, the white community, and, and, and that's not entirely common for 
those uh, either in the white community or in the African-American community, they, they may work together, um, maybe are, are involved with some community things. One of the questions, Chris, that I like to ask people when they ask me that question is who, who is sitting at your table at the most important points in your life or in the life of your family? Uh, who We couldn't do it this summer because of COVID-19, but who would be in your backyard at your, your backyard picnic? Uh, who would be at your table when you celebrate your kids' graduations from high school or college? Uh, who would be invited to your larger-than-family Thanksgiving dinner and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, we, we can boast about having relationships with people outside of our communities but we have to go further. And these things don't happen automatically because we naturally have a tendency to, to, to gather unto ourselves people who are like us or who have the potential to be made like us. So I think that's the first step. Uh, the, the second step is to recognize that we do have a, a problem and that it's not a problem we are willing any longer to just sit by and do nothing about, that if we are the people of God, that we need to work very proactively so that the vision uh, that Jesus gave us uh, in speaking in the high priesthood prayer would come about, that the vision that Martin Luther King had now, uh, would we say it was uh, um, uh, 57 years ago, uh, would come to fruition. It's interesting, when we when we were together this uh, this summer, uh, it was 57 years from um, uh, the uh, Azusa Street to uh, the I Have a Dream speech at the Reflection Pool, and we now stand at 57 years since that. Uh, there's something significant about that. I think we are at a Kairos moment. And we need to recognize that and work proactively to bring some sort of resolution to it. Well, and I think, uh, Bishop Logan, you mentioned Azusa Street. One of the things that we're finding, and I think where we found it in South Africa and uh, other parts of Africa, but also throughout the world, wherever the Holy Spirit is poured out in Gifts and power are welcomed. That, like just like Azusa Street, there is a breaking down of racial barriers, and we are brought together in the name of Jesus, and we become. I mean, this is the most exciting thing that I'm seeing happening uh, around the world, and that the real forefront of healing of the racial wounding, but also breaking down those barriers is the the move of the holy spirit and uh, so one of the things we're praying for is for a great outpouring of the holy spirit uh, for a new revival that will be like some of the good things that happened at the azusa street revival back in 1905 and 6. well there's there's really a beautiful unity that comes when the holy spirit is involved Yes, ma'am. Yes. I'd like to ask the the question about, you know, some people have a real woundedness, an open wound in this area of racism, 
And when that happens, there are people who come in and take advantage of that weakness. Do you see that today around the racism protests? Well, yes, I do. And I, I think it has to be pointed out that probably the greatest example that we have of that is with Black Lives Matters. Um, I think that everyone can agree that Black Lives Matter, just like other lives matter. What we did not understand is that there was a hidden, well, actually it wasn't very hidden. It, it, was, it was right out in the open, but we didn't see it. Uh, there was an agenda of, of those who uh, promoted the Black Lives Matters movement or organization. Now that is beginning to be unmasked, the, the Marxism, the witchcraft that's involved with that, and well-intentioned believers in particular are aghast at, uh, to discover what was, what was behind it. But it started with a genuine issue that uh, well-meaning people, I think, can all agree with. And some people got drawn into this from all sides because of, of a sense of, well, listen, I don't want to be uh, in the category of saying that black lives don't matter. Uh, I, of course they matter. So, of course, I'm, I'm right. in favor right. of this. And, and so what happens is that, that well-intentioned people get deceived uh, because of the wounding that, that, that is there. I mean, who, who wants to be labeled uh, a racist or, or a sexist or a colorist? Or, or Nobody wants to be labeled that way, particularly if they can't think of anything that they have done that would put them in that particular category. And I think we have to be much more discerning uh, than that. Yes. Uh, so is it your view that uh, Christians should not be engaging in anything that relates to the Black Lives Matter organization? As it relates to the organization, I, I believe that Christians should walk, uh, should run, not walk to the closest door. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, 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 but as it relates to the issue, in, in other words, we have to make a clear distinction between the issue and the organization. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. As it relates well, to like the them. issue, we, we need to make that a priority. Yes. Well, I would like to share one other thing as, as how Bishop Logan and I have personally experienced some of this healing that's possible in the name of Jesus as a word of hope um, that we really need to pray into. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm the great-great-grandson of slave owners. Uh, in fact, my family... Uh, uh, the Bradford family used to own uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of acres um, around Charlotte, North Carolina, Mecklenburg County. And my mother and even Cabarrus remembers County. these slave cabins. What's that? I said, and Cabarrus the, County. In Cabarrus County, yeah, Cabarrus County and Mecklenburg County. And those are, that was all my family land. 
and my family, we, uh, my mother remembers the slave cabins and there, um, we all over a hundred slaves that lived on our land. Now the, the good thing is, is that my, my great, great grandfather, uh, with abolition gave, uh, uh, our African slave families each pieces of land, uh, large pieces of land, and they live on that land today. And many took our name Bradford. But but this always bothered me. And the, the, here, what do I do with the sin of my ancestors? Because it was a sin. Well, uh, we had an extraordinary experience. Uh, Bishop Logan invited me uh, with a African evangelist from uh, Uganda named Peter Sansozi to come to his uh, congregation. I think that was at South Tryon, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so we were still called South Tryon at that time. Yes, South Tryon, and and as we're praying for breakthroughs, there's a sense that there's almost a demonic stronghold blocking the church. And uh, so, in anyway, long story short, all of a sudden I'm getting guidance from the Lord to say, ask them where this property is located, where this church is located. And when they told me, all of a sudden I realized that, wait a minute, this was on my family's land. And uh, suddenly I'm, the Lord is telling me, he said, wait a minute, you need to confess to these African-American brothers and sisters that, you know, your ancestors were slave owners. And there, some of them may well have been <laughs> the ancestors of our family's slaves. Well, as I did... Uh, there was this extraordinary experience of the Holy Spirit moving on me, but also on uh, Bishop Logan and the other members of the congregation. And next thing we know, I'm I'm having to deal with this. I'm confessing it, and they're then they're confessing some of them confessing their hatred of white people, confessing their anger and bitterness about all this. And next thing we know, we 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 have this move of God in which the Jesus is really working and we're able to forgive each other. And here we have this African evangelist with with no taint of slavery in him. And he's laying hands on both of us and praying and weeping as we weep together. And I believe that's a model of what Jesus can do to really heal the deep, deep, deep wounding that is still in many of us, both African-American people, but also us white people. The the sin wounds both the one who committed it, but also the ones that are sinned against. And so there needs to be healing both of the white community, but also the black community. That's a very powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, You know, it seems like the Holy Spirit was just putting your steps in place as you got acquainted with uh, Bishop Logan and then was invited to his church that particular day. It was amazing. And both Bishop Logan, Bishop, you can speak for yourself, but we've also, you know, that didn't automatically solve everything. We've still had to pray for forgiveness and and work uh, together in this. And 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 Chris, I, I have to, to, to say that um, when it comes to this issue, it's not just uh, 
some whites who are rather reticent to address this issue. A lot of African-Americans are reticent, too. And that was always confusing to me because uh, my philosophy and my hope and my dream and my understanding of Scripture was that uh, as as a church, that I wanted the church that, that I pastored to reflect heaven. And uh, we're a long ways from that here in this, in this country. Uh, I, I'm going to say a couple things that, that might sound rather judgmental, but so be it. Uh, it seems that right now in our society that most of the congregations that are truly reconciled, I, I, and I use the word reconciled instead of integrated, because there are churches that are integrated, but they're not reconciled. Yes, that is very true. That, that, that are truly reconciled tend to be led by white men. There are not many, many of those churches that are led by black men or even women, white or black. And that speaks to a certain mentality uh, and a certain bondage that still exists. When, when I was pastoring in the Presbyterian church, I was like the next best thing to peanut butter uh, across much of the denomination. But the congregation that I was senior pastor of was predominantly African-American. And though I would itinerate all around the denomination, which the PCUSA was primarily a white denomination. We might as well just say it that way. So when I would itinerate, I would be primarily days at a time in, in large white evangelical churches. But I was never successful in the city of Charlotte, where I am now, of gathering non-African Americans into the congregation that I lead. That's always been distressful to me. Uh, and some of that was at the cost of some in the African American community of labeling me a sellout uh, because I was mm. open to that in different ways. So there's a lot there's a lot to deal with with this issue. It is not at all monolithic, and it it, it, it right. has many. Uh, in the South, we call we have something we call pea vine. Uh, it finds it, it, it <laughs> its way through so many different things. Well, fellas, like Bishop Logan just said, we're not going to get through this whole thing today. <laughs> and unfortunately, our, our time has passed here on Charisma Connection. But boy, what a discussion we've had. And thank you for sharing your, your deeply personal stories also with our listeners. We certainly appreciate that. So this series, once again, is called Healing the Soul of America and the West. It's going to continue with Dr. Long and some other guests. So we thank you, Dr. Long, for joining us today and also Bishop Logan. Uh, we certainly appreciate all that you have brought to our discussion today. Thank you. Thank well, you so much. And uh, would you like to uh, point people to your website, Dr. Long? Uh, yes, just www.trmi.org. 
Okay, PRMI.org. That stands for Presbyterian yes. Reformed Ministries International. And and that's a mouthful, so it's easier to remember PRMI anyway, right? PRMI. <laughs> All right, well... well uh, Chris, be, be, before we finish, I, I, can we pray together about this yes. whole issue? Yes, that, um, that would be a wonderful way to close our show today. Uh, Lord Jesus... We come to you with broken hearts that here almost a hundred, how many years is it since the abolition of slavery? How many years is it since the 1964 Civil Rights Act? And yet, and yet we still deal with uh, the sins of racism in our country and in our own hearts. Lord, we pray we pray for deep, deep healing. We pray, O oh Lord, that the Church of Jesus Christ will step forward and take the lead in manifesting, as Bishop Logan said, heaven, the kingdom of God. Come, Holy Spirit, and work through us and knit us together that in Jesus we may be one. In the name Amen. of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I want to uh, close, but I do want to share with our listeners that on September 10th, so not so very long ago, uh, Dr. Long was also on uh, Steve Strang's uh, God, Trump, and the 2020 election podcast. So hopefully... Our listeners will be able to pop on over to cpnshows.com, look for God Trump and 2020 election, and look for Dr. Long's uh, episode on there on God Trump 2020. And we thank you both for being with us today. It's been such a delight to speak to you and, and, and just really take in these stories and, and ponder what you have to say on this difficult issue of racism. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. And as I mentioned, please wander over to cpnshows.com and check out some of our new podcasts, along with Strang Report, Green Lines, and God Trump and the 2020 election. On behalf of producer Ania today, I thank you for joining us here on Charisma Connection. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>